When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Alex Spear. Alex Spear of the Boston Globe. He is the perfect guy to talk to when it comes to what's what when it came to the American League MVP voting and even the National League MVP voting. What an action-packed podcast it is today. Alex, you don't even know this, but you're part of the the podcast. By, by the way, you're following up the day. is buzzing about Zach Scott's return to uh, the MLB uh, trade life. Uh, great stuff from Zach. You know Zach. You, I do know Zach, and he offers great insight into the MLB trade life. He does. He did. He did. Um, but also, in this podcast, this one, you are part of, you are being lumped in to the family of this podcast with not only some great MVP talk, which we're going to talk about. You had a vote for MVP, and spoiler alert, you voted for Shohei Itani. But also earlier in this podcast was Joe Kelly explaining from his side of things the very, very wildly talked about Javelina um, death in front of his house, which I was part of. Um, yeah, I, I saw the aftermath of. I, I saw how shaken you were for the in the hours that followed that, Rob. And uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I'm heartbroken for the Javelina family. I would also like to point out um, that uh, in addition to the nickname that has been conferred upon me, which I, I hold dear, of Stat Masterson, uh, I also have, have been given one other nickname uh, in the baseball community, and that is from a longtime coach, Goose Gregson of the Red Sox, uh, who calls me Javelina, which translates in, from Spanish to English as spear. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Fortunately, you and all your babies are alive. So it's- yes, yes, none of my children have been crushed. <laughs> Although uh, Gavin did recently fall and uh, and injure himself, mm, so he's, he's had a tough go of things in 2023. It's the uh, it's the it's the three degrees of Joe Kelly's ring camera. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like there's there's. There, there's surely a Netflix series to be done. What's, what's happened? What, what, what happened? What happened, is, what happened to Joe Kelly Foray? Uh, yeah. So uh, also he mentions um, something that I hadn't really taken into account. Speaking of Otani was, you know, all these teams are going to be lined up for Otani. But part of the deal is 
do you have a number that Otani can wear? Because this is the story behind the story. Even though Joe's a free agent, you know, everyone, the Dodgers are clearly in the mix for his services, but he also wears number 17. So, and he has said and on this podcast that you're on right now, he just said that that he will not give up 17 unless Shohei Atani buys him A, a car, or B, pays for a significant amount of money for him, uh, his, his house redevelopment. So it's, uh, yes. And then looking it up, the Red Sox, maybe they'll clear up some room on that number 17 roster. Luis Urias, he's number 17. Rangers have a roadblock. Nathan Ovaldi, number 17. You know, so some drama going on. I like it. It's the the story behind the story, Robbie B. No doubt. No doubt. Anyway, enough of that. You voted for Itani. Shocking. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, uh, it wasn't tough, right? It wasn't, that wasn't, it was a tough one. It wasn't, no. It wasn't, right. it wasn't. So let me, so let me go through the people who you voted for. And do you, let me ask you this. The times that I vote for MVP, so this is 10 names. Do you yep. ever, do you ever, and you, you have to submit it obviously the last day or right before the playoffs. Yep. In those days and weeks after, do you ever think, did I check the right box? Because you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't want it to come out like I remember when Altuve and Judge did I did I do that? And you also don't want to be the get the wrong name because it's a drop down. So who was the one guy that oh, was right? Like the Mark Jackson? Like oh yeah, my bad. I meant to uh, I meant to vote for uh, uh, I I, uh, I meant to vote for uh, Denver. Who am I? Denver Nuggets. Who am I? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah, I forgot to put him on my. Do you ever get that in in the in the in the month or so after? You ever have that anxiety or no? You pretty locked in that I did this right, Rob. It's I have so many different sources of anxiety in my life that it's really difficult to parse out what role, what what place that one holds. Like it's just it's 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 a it's a light rain in a steadily flowing series of delta of streams. That is the MVP voting in a nutshell by Alex. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to ask you this. So, so you voted for 10 people. You got that right. That was great. Yes. Uh, Thanks. I'm going to ask you which ones was the, which one was the hardest one. Because sometimes there's a flip, you know, there's uh, whether it's third or fourth or eighth or ninth or whatever it is. Oh, so you went Otani, Seeger, J-Rod, Simeon, Tucker, Diaz, Yandy Diaz, Bobby Wood Jr., Adley Rushman, Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez. Was there was did it just come down to the end? Was there one in the middle that you had a hard time juggling a, a group juggling there? What was the toughest one for you? One and two, like lock solid, super easy, straight, very straightforward. Um, I did at one point wrestle with the question of uh of whether or not Simeon's ability to stay on the field. Um, and for that matter, uh, Julio Rodriguez's should um, should outweigh the limited performance of uh, of Seager given his injury time. But uh, that one was pretty straightforward. Uh, spent a pretty good amount of time. Like honestly, beyond that, um, I thought that 
Uh, I thought that three and four were for me pretty clear um, in some order. It was, you know, Julio Semyon, Semyon Julio, um, not too difficult. Uh, both of them, you know, there was there was something of an apples to apples comparison uh, that you were able to do, given that um, they both had the strength of bodies of, of like full season bodies of work. Uh, Julio was um, Julio was a kind of a second half comet, um, you know, and Semyon had been steady all the way through. But, um, you know, go back and forth and, you know, you come out where you do. Um, Tucker, I thought was Tucker and Yandy Diaz. I went back and forth a little bit in that five, six uh, area. And that comes that's where it started coming down to more um, questions of what do you value? Right. Like I, I put a lot of stock in things like uh, win probability added and uh, win probability added um, kind of uh, weighted um, for the number of opportunities that you have to make an impact in those moments. Because I do think that uh, I, I do not use war in. I, oh, I you don't. War. So do. so let me stop you right there. It wasn't. And maybe we've had this discussion, but it wasn't that long ago. I know for a fact that. 75% of the MVP voters not only started with war, but leaned on it so heavily it was nuts. And this is, you know, this was the, um, you know, Mike Trout, for instance. You know, Mike Trout, I remember, played in 114 games or something, yeah. and he finished fourth. But he had the war. Like, sure. so, so that's that's really interesting to me. But well, so this is a I do my own research uh, type of uh, type of thing, right? Like, I've become increasingly um, reluctant to use uh, the the main sources of, of war. Uh, I've uh, uh, both fan graphs and baseball reference over concerns about how they calculate the defensive impact of players um, and. I think that um, I, I think that we've gotten to a better place with calculating defensive value based on what's happening with Statcast and with uh, with the information that's there for outs above average, which is um, which accounts for positioning and does a really good job of of comparing individual plays uh, to league average outcomes. So that's so that's part of so once you recognize that then you kind of have to abandon war um you can use you can theoretically use offensive war or you can use runs above average uh that are from those sites um but if you want to use someone else's defensive stuff then you start putting your own stuff together and and i also think um i am not a huge fan of the positional adjustments that occur um, on fan graphs or on baseball reference. Um, they basically say like, okay, you're a catcher. Uh, your offense is worth 12 and a half runs more than an average player because catcher offense sucks. Well, it doesn't suck that much, right? They use the same value, I think, on a year-over-year basis. And um, it's not as simple as like, it's not as simple as that because overall catcher offense uh, changes from year to year. Some years it might be worth more than 12 and a half runs if you're an average player. Sometimes it might be worth less. So I had to make my own positional adjustments and that sort of thing. I still did come at it partly from a statistical standpoint, but pulling together my own, the like my own sources of information that I cared about to kind of create my own little version of war um, and partly based on subjective conversations that I had with a lot of people, um, front office members and managers and players um, across a number of teams over the last month of the season. So anyway, uh, sorry for that tangent, but no, no, um, it's, it's good because like, I'll come back to what I said. I think that 
not only that they used to, but I think the majority of people still use war as a jumping off point. Yeah, which, I, you know, and I, I get it. Like, it's super convenient. It's, it's way. It's, well, it's, you just said it. I mean, you just said it. It's 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 super convenient. And yeah. and that's the problem. I do think I do think that more people are trying harder to get it right. I mean, yeah. I, and, and that's. I'm not. I, I, normally, I would say that's not a knock on the people who are voting for, but it was absolutely a knock on the people who are voting for. I mean, you oh. and I, you and I, for years, whether it was a Hall of Fame or whether it was this voting, you know, we sat idly by, and we like what, like what. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, well, I mean, we should credit, you know, we should credit the involvement and the passion of of fans of the game, right? Like yes. the fact that like for better and worse, like, OK, like the vitriol that's associated, like, you know, there's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of nasty stuff that exists um, and a lot of blowback for like you voted this way. You're an idiot, which um, unnecessary. Civility, always possible, like always, uh, always uh, worth pursuing. But um, at the same time, like that's under that vitriol and the impassioned response to votes has undeniably created um, a different set of uh, a different set of expectations regarding the amount of work that people are going to do, I think, in terms of putting together these votes, as has the fact that the uh, the veil is off. Um, You know, the voters are accountable for how they vote. And so you better be able to have a defensible position. It's so true. The checks and balances, even when you get to, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, you, th- you throw yeah. in one, you throw in your buddy, like you better be ready. I mean, that's, yeah. And, yeah so, so Which I, love. Right. I love people who have the courage, like not, not the buddy thing, but you know, to, right. um, to kind of buck the industry. Well, trend. yeah. Like, so uh, Paul Sullivan voted for Chris Martin, number five, yeah. right? Okay, you know, if, if you get to that point, if you're talking about the the, you know, the last vote on your Cy Young ballot and you're yeah. not you don't think anyone's blown you away and you're like, hey, you know what? This guy in his role excelled more than anyone else. All right. Like, it, it, it's, it, at least you can form an argument about it. Um, so yeah. anyway. defend it. Like, yeah. have an opinion. Great. What uh? So you go Tucker Diaz, Witt Jr., Rushman, Judge Alvarez. Um, any uh, any hemming and hawing, fixing things at the last minute or anything like that? Yeah, I slid things around quite a bit. Um, I think that like Rushman, for instance, was someone who I think that um, I, I don't think that there's. I, I think that all of our metrics undervalue the impact that a catcher can make. Um, and I think that part of what was remarkable about uh, remarkable about the Orioles this year was their run prevention, right? So, like having like Rutschman based on based on the numbers, uh, probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have made my top ten. Um, but I think that there's like considerable hidden value to what he does, both because I think that his offense relative to that of a normal catcher um, was pretty extraordinary. Like it's just such a such a massive advantage for them, and then. Um, most of the defensive metrics related to catching uh, reward framing and how you handle the catch and throw part of the game. 
The reason why the Orioles were a 100 win team this year was because they had a bunch of pitchers who performed at a better at a higher level than at any time in their lives. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, I think that catchers still have a lot to do with that. I think that, you know, I, I think that what happens, uh, that there is a kind of like mysterious magic that occurs between pitcher and catcher that we can't evaluate because we don't know what a pitcher, what a catcher is calling for or how many pitchers call their own games, that sort of thing. But, you know, you talk to people around the Orioles and they think that, you know, think that Rutschman had a huge role in the development of guys like Kyle Bradish as an elite pitcher and uh, among others, right? Like their pitching staff was awesome and they are, you know, and they weren't supposed to be. And I think that he had a role in that. So um, that's one where I kind of, uh, where I, you know, even though probably like from a purely statistical standpoint or from a worst standpoint, Gunnar Henderson was probably the better candidate. Um, I, I ended up going with Rutschman. Um, I really struggled with um, probably with that back half of the ballot quite a bit more than I did with the top half, I would say. Um, for instance, Alvarez, awesome, awesome season, like incredible performer, didn't play that much. But um, something that swung hugely in his favor uh, was, first of all, like his he's basically Shohei in the box. Right. Like he played fewer games, but he's Shohei in the box. Um, And secondly, uh, his win probability added numbers were insane. Like the uh, the critical the the nature of critical hits that he had, um, the he was an absolute difference maker uh, based on when his production occurred. Like the reason why the Astros were in the playoffs was enormously linked to the timing of Jordan Alvarez's hits. And I, I do not want the MVP award. That's the other thing I don't like about war. Like it too, it too frequently divorces what a player does from the context of a game. Like you're credited the same for hitting a home run in a, in an 11, nothing game as you would be for an RBI single in a one-to-one tie in the ninth inning. And that's why I really think it's important to look at win probability added um, because the game matters the game should matter to figuring out who the most valuable player is. And so Alvarez was someone who really uh, who really got a huge boost based on that. Okay. So you bring up Alvarez. So you have this is this is a part that's fascinating to me. You have Judge and Alvarez, right? 106 mm-hmm. games, 114 games, as yeah. you mentioned. Um now I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but you're saying you're wrong, Rob. I kind of am. No, I, I know, but I, no, I, I think it's, but this is, this comes back to when I, uh, the year that I had a vote, I, I had a vote other years, but this, uh, one of the years I had a vote for MVP was the trout year, the aforementioned trout year. I think he played mm-hmm. 114 games as well. And, uh, and I voted him ninth and I think he finished fourth and my ninth place vote was nobody came close to voting him that low. And I was shocked. And my reasoning was, is when you look at, and this is unfair, but it's just the reality. When you look at the rules, when you look at what MVP voting, the number two thing is what, Alex? It is, uh, it's like games played, right? Games played. Yeah. So, So is that right? No, maybe not. But that's the rule. And so when we're, when we're going by this, that's what I because obviously as great as these players are, and I think it's different if you're putting Judge and Alvarez in nine and ten is mm-hmm. compared to voting Trout is number four. Yeah, uh, but if if we're we can't we can't just say we'll project that 
Mike Trout is going to do this as great as he is. And yeah. and also that's the rule. And when I put that out there, the obvious answer was, well, those rules were made in 1930-something. Like, okay, then change yeah. them. Right. You know? So, no, so just totally tell me why I'm full of crap. You're not. Um, and, you know, it basically, I, I think that this year required an act of collective voter nullification of that standard. And uh, that was, I, I was honestly uncomfortable with that aspect of what I was doing. But then at the same time, like, unquestionably, the two most valuable players in the American League this year, like, we've already, like, we are through the looking glass, people, right? Like, we're already, uh, we're already through Shohei with his 135 games being a runaway winner, yeah. and Corey Seager with his 50 games missed being a runaway second place finisher. So we're, so like, by that standpoint, like, I, I, like, I, I actually wrestled with that and considered, uh, considered, really penalizing all three of those guys significantly. Um, and ultimately, uh, it represented an act of voter nullification of uh, yeah. of one of the standards. Right. Like that's, I mean, you I, have to I'm do like, that in order to vote for any right. of those guys. And, and, and this goes to, and I think you're right. I think that we've reached the point, which like a lot of things in baseball, times changed, expectations changed, standards changed. So, hey, BBWA. It's okay. It's okay. Sit down and sh- take that one out, or at least bump it down to whatever number eight on your on your list. Um, so, was who was number eleven? Uh, I had. Uh, let me let me look back at my uh, at my little composite. Um, I had. I gave significant consideration uh, to both uh, Jose Ramirez and to Luis Robert. Okay, but not close to Alvarez. Uh, oh yeah, they were close. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I would have, I, I would have felt comfortable including either of those guys, probably anywhere from five to ten. Um, I, I think that you basically, for me this year, like I, I think that there was a clear top four, and then beyond that, I, I think that you had. Like I, I was pretty comfortable with like roughly five through twelve. Like and frankly, like you know, could have expanded it beyond that if you wanted to include pitchers, which I considered doing with uh, with guys like Cole and Gossman and the you know the uh, the you know the the Twins pitchers. I thought all merited some consideration. Like I, I think that really the separation for me between roughly five and you know five and fifteen was was pretty low. Okay. Um... Alex, the last thing, because I know you got to take more calls from uh, from Shohei Itani reporters. Um, but the last thing is, and and God bless him because like because Shohei uh, did not uh, did not deliver on the post uh, oh, on no. the award interview. So yeah, what a yeah. shock! Um, I'm, I'm sure that he will be penalized in the millions of dollars that he'll he'll yes. uh, leave on the table because yes. Yes. we can't sign that guy. It will be, well, or or that money will be set aside specifically for Joe Kelly into seventeen. I mean, I don't know. Like, is it worth it? A car for number seventeen? I don't know. I, who knows? We're going to find out. Um, speaking of the Dodgers, I was surprised. I was of all these votings, uh, all that were at the end of it, right? All the all the different votes for all the different things. the uh, The fact that Acuna Junior. won every first place vote, 
Mookie obviously won every second place vote. But I had heard more debate going into that last week about this writers who were saying, I don't know what to do. Like, I yeah. don't know what to do. Like, this is and, – and there was cases all over the place. And, and I think this one came down to, Alex, and I know this isn't what you voted for, but you clearly know about it. You know, I think this one came down to you have these historic traditional numbers – and they were so historic that it, people just couldn't get past that. They couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't get past that to look at. Well, you know, a lot of these stolen bases were worthless stolen bases, and he wasn't a good base runner. And you know, it's you know, and, and all this, and you know, Mookie Betts's all this, all these uh, next level stats are favor him. You just, I think it's just it was the the seventy forty thing. You just couldn't get past it. I mean, that's my takeaway from it. First of all, I would like to note that Eric Davis would have been a 50, like 100 guy in 19, uh, in 1980, <laughs> uh, in 1985, and he remained healthy that year. So let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> the boogie E was unbelievable. Uh, but uh, moving beyond that, you're so right. Like the history thing is one that um, entrances voters. We've seen it time and time again. 1941, Ted Williams is the triple crown winner, but Joe DiMaggio has the hitting streak, even though Ted Williams was the better hitter during those 56 games. Yeah. Never mind. It's okay. Uh, he hit four. Doesn't matter. He's still not going to win MVP because someone did something historic. 2000, 2012, uh, the is, you know, is the first Trout versus, uh, versus yep. Cabrera debate. Cabrera's won the triple crown. So, oh, the fact that Mike Trout is like the greatest bases, the greatest five-tool player that we've seen since freaking Willie Mays, or excuse me, since Eric Davis, uh, doesn't <laughs> matter. Doesn't matter. It uh, you know, it it you you end up being swamped by history. Aaron Judge last year, relative to Otani, certainly benefited from the fact if Aaron Judge had 60 homers instead of 62, does he beat Otani in the MVP voting last year? I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I think that it's really difficult to ignore. There's there's a historic resonance of uh, of something of landmark achievements that is alluring for voters, and that's not wrong. Like it's it's there. These are the accomplishments that are worthy of recognition. But I do think it's incredible to note. The, the fact that it was 31st place votes uh, for Acuna Jr. and 32nd place votes for Mookie speaks to the fact that like, but for one guy and maybe like had he hit three fewer homers or whatever, Mookie would have been an MVP, a unanimous MVP. Uh, and uh, it's like you I'm, I'm not sure if that's ever happened before at 31st and 30, like with just uni- unanimity on both first and second. That was amazing. But uh, but I think and, and if somebody if you had one, this is how weird it was too if you had one person vote for Mookie at number one instead of Acuna Jr that person actually wouldn't be ridiculed like that you wouldn't be getting like the the besieged of phone calls and everything else no be like okay like that you get noted you would get separated but I don't think you would be ridiculed and that's that's crazy like that's Yeah, right. so it was it was close, but it was close, but clear in the that it was close, but clear in the eyes of thirty people is a remarkable confluence of decision making. Well, speaking of a marvelous confluence of decision making, that's exactly what you gave us and your your MVP voting and your podcasting. So I appreciate it. Well, I feel like I've been struck by the javelina of uh, of revelation thanks to 
thanks to the Brad Foe. Uh, thanks, to, thanks to the notion that baseball isn't boring. This podcast is perfectly bookended by Javelina talk. I appreciate that. <laughs> by the Javelina.